0: Welcome back to the Dallas Power Hour. I'm RDA alongside my boy JC, and we are presented by Dallas Sports
1: Nations of Wagner Enterprises, enhancing your fan sports experience. We're here in the DMW covering the best teams in all of the nation. We got the Mavs, we got the Texas Rangers, we got the Dallas Stars occasionally, and of course we have your Dallas Cowboys. But we're back, new name, new face, I mean really a new beginning. Yeah, we got a little bit of everything going on now,
0: but now we're specifically dedicating ourselves to the DFW because as great of a city as is, as great of a state that this is, they deserve the best coverage. So that's exactly what we're about to bring you guys. And like you said, we're we're going to cover the Dallas Cowboys here. Even though they're coming off of a very sad loss to Aaron Rodgers and the uh, Green Bay Packers, but overall, as a whole, they're still three and two, still tied for first place. Nonetheless, we're gonna go through what went wrong for the Packer game, what could they can do better going forward, and how this team can still end up in the playoffs. JC, what do you think was the worst part about this game?
1: I mean, really, the coaching. Really, I mean, you have to think about. I mean, there's a multitude, and we can talk about this for all day, but we have a limited amount of time. So let's start with the top three issues of the team. We're talking about starting at the top with the coaching, the lack of lack of preparedness that came into this game against Aaron Rodgers. I mean, the man who has owned them at at t Stadium in the past. And then we're talking about the run game on the defensive side. They cannot stop a dual threat running back to save their life. Aaron Jones, over 100 yards rushing on the ground, and he led the team in reception with seven for 75. And then, obviously, the turnover and penalties on the offensive side—we had over 120 penalties, penalty yards on the offensive side. So there's really, really a lot of, I guess, shooting yourself in the foot in this game to look back at. That was the worst part. Watching themselves shoot themselves in the foot. You would do. It's one of those things where you take one step forward,
0: two steps backwards. You know, the whole night just ended up looking real bad for Dallas. Overall, the one thing that everybody was talking about at the beginning of the year was how great the linebackers were. Jalen Smith, the Hall of Famer, according to you. But there's also Leighton Vanderish, the former first round pick. They say he's been dealing with some illnesses in the past couple days, and that's why he's actually missed practice this week. So maybe that held him down a little bit this past week, and everybody has a bad game. It's not. I'm, I'm not saying that he's going to take a one step back this season, but it's just, it happens once in a while. Overall, he could have done better. I mean, the whole time, he was getting erased. Every time he stepped up to any kind of lineman, they were taken completely out of the play. He was overshooting sometimes. It, it ended up being a bad day for him. Hopefully, he can learn from this experience because everybody's going to have that day. At the end of it, they just couldn't find a way to stop Aaron Jones. The 100 yards he hit, it was on 19 carries. He averaged over five yards of carries. Four touchdowns. I mean, that was ridiculous to watch. But it does look worse on paper. Whenever you watch a game, I mean, yeah, it was bad. But it, it could have been a lot worse. It reminded me, I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago when the uh, Cowboys played Denver. They played, uh, what's, C.J. Anderson. And C.J. Anderson is someone that you would never expect to kill you, yet that guy ran for almost 200 yards, or if not more, and completely decimated the Dallas Cowboys in that game. So, watching Aaron, Aaron Jones, it, it was tough. And now you have Le'Veon Bell come, coming up. Somebody's going to have to step up soon.
1: I mean, You could point to the end of, uh, was it last season when we played the Rams? I mean, C.J. Anderson and Todd Gurley really ran all over the Dallas Cowboys defense, and that's one been, That's been one of the weaker spots on this team and, and more consistent. I mean, like you said, he was late. He was shoot, overshooting gaps. They're being overpowered by line, linemen, you know. That Packers old line made Jalen Smith, LVE, and the general look bad. I mean, really bad. Even Sean Lee got, I mean, just pushed around by the left guard, you know, on one power play. So, I mean, Aaron Jones really showed up. The Cowboys defense forgot to show up. And I mean, let's talk about the secondary a little bit. Anthony Brown has not had a great season. He is really not. I mean, he had there was one play where he was I mean, he was trailing, I think it's uh Scaldez or the, the wide receivers. Valdez Valdez Scantling, something like that. But he didn't get he doesn't get his head around on the ball. And that's one of the points that, you know, Chris Richard has been good at, you know, especially coming up from Seattle. He, his cornerbacks were always finding the ball, getting the hands up on the ball. But you can tell Anthony Brown is really playing the receiver more than playing the ball. I mean, some of these passes, if he just gets his head around, he can knock him down or even have a chance at an interception. You know, but I mean, playing at you know he's really the slot corner. He's get he hasn't been great, but you know Byron Jones we haven't seen his name called very often. Byron Jones is quietly being pretty good this this season again, and. Chido Rouvier, I, mean, I mean, he's showed up pretty well like, lately, you
0: know? Yeah, if that's another guy that, like you said, if he just gets his head around and just looks at the ball for one second, he can literally come up. I think he could have had, like, four interceptions by now if he just turns around the whole time. I mean, people are making ridiculous catches on Cheeto Bay, and it's just very really sad to see because he has good coverage. He's literally on them, like, wide on rice. But the quarterbacks are placing the ball – just where they know that he can't see. It's his blind spot. Picture you driving. You know, there's that one area where you can't see. That's that's Cheeto Bear right there. For some reason, he just can't seem to turn around and catch the ball right there, which leads me to this team's lack of interceptions. Six games in this season, one interception by Cheeto, by Cheeto, which was a very good pick. Cheeto, great job. Then they had 18 games last year where they had nine interceptions. Can you do math for me, JC? Nine plus one. How many is that? Um, if I'm not mistaken, that is 10. 10, all right. 18 games last year plus six games this year. How many games is that? 18 plus six is 24. 24 games to get 10 interceptions. This is where I I have a little bit of a a bone to pick because everybody talks about how great Chris Richard is. The guy that created the Legion of Boom, blah, blah, blah. This guy is phenomenal. He's raw, raw guy. Right, this guy brings in awesome energy. That's phenomenal to Watch. And he stayed eight years with Pete Carroll. This guy knows everything from a great coach like Pete Carroll. That's freaking awesome. You would think this would lead to having very great success, especially from your DBs. But what has happened? 24 games, 10 interceptions. In the 16 games prior to him showing up here, the Dallas Cowboys had 10 interceptions. Can you guess who their DBs were? They had Nolan Carroll starting. Cheeto Bay was a rookie. A, B, and Anthony Brown was on his second year, Orlando Scandrick already at the end of his career, Jordan Lewis was a rookie, Kayvon Frazier, Je, uh, Byron Jones was playing safety, Jeff Heath, and Xavier Woods was also a rookie. Then they went out and traded for Bennett, I don't even know how to say his last name, his name is Bennett, Ben Wickiri. They got him from the Bengals for a six-round pick. So that, that was their starting lineup in 2017, whenever they did not have Chris Richard. And that team ended up with 10 interceptions. The last 24 games with Chris Rashard, they've had Byron Jones, a shutdown corner. Yes, amazing job. Great job, buddy, there. They have Cheeto Bay in his third and, second and third year. Jordan Lewis in second and third year. Anthony Brown's year three and four. C.J. Goodwin, obviously, he's not playing much this year. Jeff Heath, a little bit of a bigger role. Xavier Woods, much better safety. They still have Kevon Frazier, even though he got hurt. He's out for the rest of the year. Darian Thompson, and they have the rookie, Wilson a much better set of DBs than they had in 2017. Yet it's taken them literally uh, more than a third of the time than than it took the 2017 class to get 10 interceptions. 24 games as opposed to 16 games where they get 10 picks. That's where I think something needs to change. All that raw, raw attitude, great to watch. Don't get me wrong. That's freaking awesome, man. You bring energy that this team does not have. But the best coaches don't always show that. Go look at, as much as I dislike the Lions, that uh, coach that they have on there that they got from the Patriots. Uh, Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia, a very serious guy. Yeah, look at them. They're they're making things happen with that secondary over there. Because why? Because he actually knows how to coach. He doesn't just rah-rah everybody. Bill Belichick, everybody knows him for, for winning Super Bowls. But you know what? Right now they know him because he's having such a great defense. What a phenomenal group of guys. And another guy. When was the last time you seen him yell at one of his players? When's the last time you've seen him laugh? Never. Why? Because attitude doesn't reflect on how you play out there as much as you would expect from a coach. Players, yeah, man, go ahead. Bring all the energy. bring, Do what you got to do. From a coach's standpoint of view, do your freaking job, man. People think very highly of this dude, Chris Richard. Yet what has happened? Nothing. Nothing has absolutely changed from the time that he got here from the time that he wasn't here. The Cowboys still rank towards the bottom half of the league in passing yards, and they can't get the ball turned
1: over around with interceptions. I mean they're 29th in the league with interceptions. They, I mean they're literally tied with three other teams with one interception on the 2019 season. You don't see it very often. I mean the fact that I mean this has one, been one of the weaknesses of this entire defense for this for the, for a long time. The lack of turnovers, the lack of pressure on the quarterback. We have 12 sacks, which is good for 17th in the in the 2019 season in the NFL. I mean, this is not what the defense was supposed to be this year. We're supposed to be a top five defense able to create pressure on the on the offense, especially with that new, I mean, $100 million man, Demarcus Lawrence. I mean, he was literally phased out of the game against the Packers. The fact that Aaron Rodgers' mobility killed us to that extent shows the ineffectiveness of this pass rush. We need a a one and 3 technique on the defensive line. We need Demarcus Lawrence to create more pressure, and then we need the opposite defensive end to create the pressure. Speaking of those one one technique, uh, one of those uh, three technique
0: guys, the rookie that they just drafted out of UCF. Why am I forgetting his name? Tristan Hill. Tristan Hill. Every time he played this past game in uh, Antoine Woods' spot, he looked bad. He kept getting washed out. I mean, you you would literally, I guarantee you, 95% of the Cowboys fans did not even know that he was on the field out there. That's how ineffective that he's been. The whole time, I mean, literally, this guy was just doing nothing, absolutely nothing, which made everybody miss Antoine Woods. Good thing he'll be back against the Jets. That's a very nice side note. But overall, they drafted this kid because he was known for putting pressure at college. He was known for at least hitting the quarterback, even if he didn't get the sack. But so far, even in the preseason training camp and in the regular season thus far, this kid is just looking out to be ah, as much as it hurts me.
1: Maybe a Taco Charlton 2.0. No, but I mean, well, he was a second round pick too. So, yeah, I mean, that it, it, yeah, but I mean, at the same time, you have Rod Marinelli, who is uh, I mean, it's supposedly a guru on the defensive line, able to really get everything you can out of the defensive tackles. Everything. I mean, look at Antwan Woods. I mean, he was he wasn't even drafted. He was undrafted. Un, I mean, just a signed free agent, and now look at him making an impact. I mean, right now he's hurt. He's banged up. Tristan Hill really needs to step up. So, I mean, we're talking about the entire defensive line. We're talking about the entire linebacker group. And you know what? We're talking about the entire secondary. What is this defense doing right? Uh, Right now, what they are doing right is at least
0: staying on the field. For the most part, obviously, we have DeMarcus Lawrence staying healthy. That's a big plus right there. Because if he was a $100 million man that was just outright hurt the entire time, that would probably hurt a lot more. Robert Quinn is another very bright spot on this team. No one expected him to be as impactful. To be as impactful as he's been. He averages one sack per game, even though he got two of them against the Saints and one against the Miami Dolphins. Obviously, none against Aaron Rodgers. But that's alright because like I said, he's still averaging one a game. At this rate, he should finish with about 14 sacks in the season if he continues this up, which is very highly unlikely. Nevertheless, it's a great piece to go opposite of uh, DeMarcus Lawrence. Before that, we had Randy Gregory. Randy Gregory got six sacks in the last time that he played here with the Cowboys. Now Robert Quinn, he's out to show that he can still play, even though he's a bit older. I think he's 29. And he's a veteran, so he, he knows exactly what to do in this situation. So what's about to happen is he should have the best season of his career, or at least in the last, like, five or six. Go out and get that contract. But this is where this leads me to, all right? Check this out. Robert Quinn, contract year, okay? Right behind him, we have uh, Malik Collins, contract year. Antoine Woods is another guy that could uh, potentially disappear. That's three very crucial guys, not named DeMarcus Lawrence, that are very big pieces of this defensive line, even though they're not having their best of years. Out of those three, pick two of the three that you decide to keep because I don't think that there's a way they can keep all three of those guys. Out of those three, which, pick two
1: of them, any two that you like. I want to pick zero because that means we got to pay him. Oh. No, you know what? I mean, look, Okay. okay. The, the only thing with Antoine Woods, I would love to keep Antoine Woods because he's effective. You know, he doesn't play every snap. He's in a rotation like Marinelli really uses, but he's never able to stay 100% healthy. And that's the thing. Are you willing to play, pay a player that is not able to stay on the field? Even if you're able to get it for about two years at about two, three million a year, Man, if he gives me a
0: two-year, four million dollar deal,
1: yes. Because okay, you're not that's what
0: these guys are worth. They're not they're not big guys. They're not DeMarcus Lawrence by any mean. They're not four or five sack guys, but they're pressure guys and they're good against the run. So let's say you like I said, let's say you could sign two of them, but which two specifically would you rather have? I'm talking about Robert Quinn, Malik Collins, Malik Collins, and Antoine Woods. And
1: Antoine Wood. Same thing with Malik Collins. I mean, he's. I mean, he can't stay healthy. Another bump. Another bump. But I mean, the thing is, Robert Quinn's price tag. What is his price tag going to
0: be at the end of the year? Robert, I think Robert Quinn's the one guy that honestly, I I, I love him, but I would like to have him here. But I think he's going to have ten sacks this year and absolutely blow a nice contract, We're getting paid eight nine million somewhere else.
1: And, and see, I would love to. I would love for him to have ten sacks, but I we just haven't seen it. I mean, we we you said you said three sacks in three games. But again, against a better team, the Packers nobody even sniffed Aaron Aaron Rodgers like nipple. But
0: nope. stra- but two against the Saints, who have
1: a very good offensive line and their
0: left tackle has not been playing too bad.
1: If you tell me Robert Quinn will sign a two-year, eleven million dollar deal, I will take Robert Quinn and Antoine Woods. Antoine Woods, I'll give him two million a year, fully guaranteed contract, whatever. That, I mean, just give it to him up front. Robert Quinn, same thing. I wouldn't pay him more than $6 million a year, $7 million a year, because he's reaching that point in his, his career where he's starting to slow down a little bit. He used to be a premier pass rusher. He used to be DeMarcus Lawrence. He used to be DeMarcus Lawrence. He's had double-digit sack years, but now he's not. He really isn't. So he's at that point in his career where he's on the back end. He's a good number two. He's a good opposite end rusher of your main pass rusher. And that's who we're looking at right now with DeMarcus Lawrence. And DeMarcus Lawrence needs to be better. All right, so let, let's say we'll, we'll scrap Malik Collins. Obviously, he's out. Malik so, Collins,
0: see you later. All right, goodbye, my guy. So we'll say you sign Antoine Woods for cheap. You get him for a couple more years. The Robert Quinn one, like I said, I just don't think this team would be able to afford him. But if he, to, if, if he happens to say it, then that's good because you have a very nice opposite of DeMarcus Lawrence but if you don't, your next guy up is going to be Durant Armstrong. Do you feel confident going into
1: the next season with Durant Armstrong and uh, Tank Lawrence? You know what? Did Doris Armstrong have the only sack on Aaron Rodgers by defensive lineman? Did he did, have this a- against the Packers? I think it is. I think he was. Doris Armstrong. He was a fourth round pick. Yes, he has. I mean, he had a sack on you know on Aaron Rodgers when Demarcus Lawrence couldn't get one, when Robert Quinn couldn't get one. That's but what he also I'm had like. zero in the last four games. He also had zero in the last four games. You're right. Yeah. But he's also a fourth round pick. I mean, give me Doris Armstrong with a full, I mean, a full slate of work. I mean, we're seeing him a lot more this year. He's had a full offseason of work, and I think he's gotten better. I think by the end of the year, we're going to be looking at him as like the same way we looked at Randy Gregory. Hey, he has the potential to put anywhere from five to eight sacks up on the board, opposite from Demarcus Lawrence. Maybe even on a really good year. Armstrong, I think, could hit ten sacks, but that's not this year. I think it might be next year or the D year after. But the kid has potential, and I think all he needs is more playing time.
0: Plus, well, having him two years under that rookie contract is a very big help. And you also drafted defensive end Joe Jackson from the University of Miami for a reason. Man, him and the Jackson Five—they were great. Weren't <laughs> Damn, they were fantastic because they do have also Michael Jackson on the team, who's actually not even <laughs> right now. You know, he's not even worth talking about because he has made zero impact on this squad. Nonetheless, you know, back to the defensive line. Those two guys leave, like I said, Malik Collins and, and uh, Robert Quinn out the door. Next year, you're going to have a completely different defensive line. But DeMarcus Lawrence right now, he's leads the league, being double teamed the most out of anyone across the league. I mean, more than uh, Khalil Mack, more than Aaron uh, Donald, more than all of these guys that everybody knows to be premier pass rushers. Tank Lawrence is getting double teamed more than all of those guys, which is now finally starting to take into effect. But – now we'll get to Jaden Smith and, and Layton Vanderish because obviously those two guys there, they have not been having the season that we expected of them, especially off the crazy great year that they had the season before. Now it's time for them to come in here and a completely establish a dominance. They're going to have their hands full. Le'Veon Bell coming into town, one of the most patient running backs in the league, an absolute machine, true beast in the receiving game. I think this, this guy right here is going to be the best receiving back the Dodge Cowboys face. In the whole season. The only good thing about them is, you know, they don't really have a great uh, receiver over there for the Jets. So, these two linebackers can focus completely on Le'Veon Bell. But how, what do you think is going to have to happen for them to have any kind of success and not have the
1: same day they had against Aaron Jones? Okay, I'm going to tell you this. I mean, you just called Le'Veon Bell the most patient running back in the game, and I completely, 100% agree with you. Patience. And patience, patience. You got to he has some Mr. Miyagi type running style. He does. I, I think, I think yeah. <laughs> what's that commercial, the Twix, that you can bite and then time freezes? I think he has that at like
0: at all times. Like, you know, he just bites and he's like, or is it snickers? One of those candies has those commercial where you can bite, you're like, damn, I'm in one of those moments. I need to take <laughs> a second. And he bites and everybody else stops around him. I think that's what Le'Veon Bell does. Halfway in the snap, just bam, hold on. Give me a minute.
1: Now, where am I going to go? Where am I going to go? And he can do it. And it's like because he waits for the defense to make their move before he makes his move. And it's it's almost a reverse role. He turns the defense into the offense, uses their aggression against himself, and then he, hey, he hops. He sidesteps into a hole and he goes. And before you know it, he's already six, seven yards up the field before anybody even touches him. So, I mean, the, the best thing about this matchup for us is the offensive line for the Jets. They are not good at all. They just led up 10 sacks against the Eagles and then two defensive touchdowns. So Le'Veon Bell, as good as he is, I don't know if he'll be able to overcome that offensive line. So if I were the linebackers, you know, you really have to play this game at a high level. And I know I'm just, I'm just JC on the Dallas Power Hour and what do I know? But if these these linebackers play patient, if they play patient the same way that Le'Veon Bell plays patient, the defensive line will take care of this trash O-line for the Jets. They will get to the backfield and will force Le'Veon Bell to make a the move. Then the linebackers make their move. They 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 have to play patient against Bell's patient running style. But I, I like I like that style because in if, if this past game, your boy
0: Jalen Smith overshot like four plays where he bit the whole tooth quick and he ended up getting erased because of it. Had he just taken a step back, waited for the play to develop, maybe a lineman could have took on that other lineman and he would have had the hold a hit. But I like your style. Keep going with this. I like it.
1: I do, I do, I do. And see, this is one of the things that they can't, the, the linebackers cannot get engaged on the offensive line if they cannot get off them. Because we see Sean Lee get pushed around. Sean Lee got pushed down to feel like 10, 10 yards on a run play where Aaron Jones shot in the middle for like. I feel 15. like I could push him now. I'm telling you. And, that, and that's where Lee's at in this stage. He's a rotational line, linebacker with Joe Thomas. And Joe Thomas made a great play last week. He did. He, yeah, he, he did. made a really good play last week. And I think Thomas will see more game time this week in order to preserve Sean Lee against the Lesser Jets. But Jalen Smith, Lake Van Ration, well they won't need to see the field the entire time. This defense needs to get on track. I mean ASAP. Sam Sam Darnold, he's a really good young quarterback. He's coming off his mono, you know, illness. But that the, girl from the stadium said she gave it to him on Monday Night Football Shadow said I gave it. him mono. It's kinda of creepy. Kind of creepy to admit that I would not want to admit yeah, that. Yeah, that's even. what I'm, I'm saying. I'm, on national TV, now nobody's going. That's show. even worse. Picture I'm going t- into work, you're like, yo, you have yeah, yo, mano, yeah model. Everybody, everybody's it now. Don't touch me. It's yeah. like her boyfriend's probably looking at her like, really? Yeah, like, <laughs> wait, 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 wait a minute. Like, I can't sleep with Sam Donald giving him model. I'm a jet <laughs> fan. Yeah, that's probably why they broke <laughs> But Sam Donald will be back. Um, there, remember, we're going up to New York. We're we we are in their home stadium so the place will be rocking set, but all we got to do is punch them in the mouth the best way to do that and I mean as much as we want to defer the ball as much as everybody wants to defer the ball I think this one game you take the ball and you start with Zeke and you push that team around you kill the wheel before they get the opportunity because if, if your defense lets Le'Veon Bell get going on them this will be a long day it's that's a big, that's a long day against a team that we should handily beat. That, that's going to be the worst part, because Le'Veon
0: Bell is such a great running back that if, I think if he starts having success, let's say the first drive, these guys get two or three first downs, be a Le'Veon Bell and a couple passes by Sam Darnold. The fact that Le'Veon Bell can get going, it opens up the pass, it opens up the play action, which as much as, again, I'm not a fan of the Jets receivers by any means, but so Robbie Anderson has been known to have that speed. I mean, kind of at the flash at times, so where one moment he's at the line of scrimmage, the next moment you blink, him, mean, he's 30, 40 yards down the field. And Sam Darnold, as much as I dislike that ginger Wonder Bread man, he also has a cannon. He could also lob that ball down there, which leads us to Jeff Heath getting blown out of the coverage. Another thing that we have to stop. So stopping Le'Veon Bell, to me, is probably the most crucial thing in this game. If they get that running back game going, it's gonna be a wrap. Whereas the opposite, Dallas has to get that going because the whole season has not been going according to our $90 million man, Ezekiel Elliott. Five games so far, 386 rushing yards, 92 on the ground. I mean, not even 500 yards. He's not even averaging 100, which is normal for a regular person. But when you're paid as the best running back, I would expect a little bit more. Even though this all line's beat up, you get paid what you get paid because you've done what you've done, and you're going to do what you do. So this is where Zeke has to step up, feed the man of the ball. Like JC just said, I'll give him 23, 25 carries this game. Let him take over. We're going to absolutely punch him square in the mouth, run it down the gut every single time, and hope that we don't run into CJ Mosley because that's going to be one guy that Ezekiel is going to have a fun fight with. And also, there's, don't forget, Jamal Adams... Dallas native, so you're welcome, Jets fan, all right? We gave him to you. You're welcome. We we showed him how to play football, and the man is a little bit too good at it right now.
1: So. You no, know, I mean, last year, he had a career high of snaps. Snaps played at 83% of the offensive snaps was he got This year, he's only playing 77% of those snaps. And we're seeing a little bit more Tony Pollard, but last game, we really, I mean, we didn't see a whole bunch of Tony Pollard. Against the Saints, we didn't see a whole bunch of Tony Pollard. The first three games, we've seen a huge amount of Tony Pollard. What has changed between then and now? I, I think it's level the opponent.
0: I, I said before, if you're going to sign Ezekiel, that's fine. I, I'm not a fan of paying any kind of running back whatsoever. I would have 5 him and watch him walk out the door. That's, that's good with me. But this team paid him. Now, this is what you do, Dallas. On games that you're supposed to win, you go in there, you dominate the first half. Once you have the game in control you bring in your second running back. That's where you let Tony Pollard close out the game for you. Let let the dash roll as they may. You preserve Zeke as much as possible until playoff time comes. Now, obviously, in some games, you can't do that. As we saw the Packers game, you need Ezekiel Elliott. As like you saw the Saints game, you need Zeke. But whenever you play teams like Miami, the Redskins, either those bum giants over there in New York as well, and now the New York Jets, these are games that you can afford to put in Tony Pollard a little bit more. He can catch. He can run, and when you don't have those things going for you, that's why you also have a Mario Cooper, Michael Gallup, old man Jason Witten, and above all, Dak Prescott. Just do your job and don't throw away the game.
1: Man, 100% agree with you on the level of the opponent. Listen to this starting from week one against the Giants, 54% of the snaps played. 77% 77% of the snaps plays in week two. 67 in week three against Miami. Then last week against New Orleans, 97% of the snaps were played by Ezekiel Elliott. Then, you know, this week against the Packers, 93%. So the level the opponent has a lot to do with it. Are they able to let off the gas a little bit? You know, because if you're going to keep Ezekiel Elliott in the game that long— Use him in both aspects of the offense. Talk about passing and rushing. More screens. Put him in the slot. I mean, we've seen a lot of motion, you know, in the first three weeks against, you know, the Giants, the Redskins, um, the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. And then we, all of a sudden, we didn't see a whole bunch of it against the Saints and the Packers. The Cowboys had that great passing, the, the catch that he had on the sideline in the late yeah. fourth quarter. That was great by Z. So we need more of that. Yeah, but see, but, but other than that, there, he wasn't effective in the passing game at all. Max. I mean, that was one shot. I mean, I don't know how many receptions he had during that game, but at the same time, he should have been utilized more in in the offense, especially if Gallup or you know Jason Witten or Randall Cobb really weren't being a factor in the passing game. Cooper had 226 yards receiving, and one of them was a 50 yard touchdown.
0: it yeah, was it was a, it was, a beast. it was amazing.
1: It was it really was. But I mean, Kellen Moore, I think this boils down to Kellen Moore in his offensive scheme. Is Jason Garrett still have, Does he still have his hand? In the cookie jar. As in, does he still have a 70% say to Kellen Moore's 30% say on the offensive scheme, game plan, especially against the better teams? Maybe Garrett was saying, okay, you know, the Giants, Redskins, Dolphins, Kellen do your saying, let's see what happens. But then it comes down to New Orleans, another top team in the NFC. The Packers, another top team in the NFC. Okay, Kellen, move out the way let me handle this game plan these next two weeks. But see, now it's like, you look, everybody's eyes are on the offense. Dak Prescott looked inaccurate. They weren't able to to really, they weren't able to put the ball in the end zone. They really weren't. I mean, granted, one, I mean, the first interception, the first interception was tipped by Cooper, should have caught it. Second one was uh, tipped in the end zone, caught it. I mean, I mean, I mean, it was just tipped, just happened to be both tipped passes. Those have to be better passes by Dak Prescott. But I mean, at the same time, I mean, you have to be able to use your weapons more than you are right now. Yeah, especially this game because the corners for the Jets
0: right now, they're playing at an all-time low. Tremaine is, is playing bad. They're, they're secondary as a whole besides Jamal Adams. They, they haven't been playing very good. And you know what? This is where Dak Prescott has to step up his game. Four straight weeks, this man has an interception. Six picks in four games is not something that you want to have, especially on a contract year. I, I get it, man. You know what? Two of those passes really shouldn't have been picked. One of them was Cooper going through them. One of them got tipped up in the end zone. And the third one actually should have been a pass interference on the defense, but they didn't call it. Nevertheless, the placement of the ball has to be much better. And whenever you're playing the the talent that you're playing against with the New York Jets, not saying anything against them that they're, like, very horrible at their jobs, but they, they rank towards the bottom of the league, and that's where having Amari Cooper pays off, having Michael Gallup pays off, Randall Cobb, if he can do something, muster up anything in this game, that'll be a big help. So this passing game should really actually have plenty of success. And if you use Zeke at the beginning of that game just to go out there and set the tempo, you should be able to get away with a lot of play action because they didn't really do any that much play action against the Packers. And that's one thing that's been working for Dallas this entire season. I'm not really sure why they got away from that. It, it doesn't make sense. If it's not broke, don't fix it. it it's pretty simple to me.
1: It really is it really is so now I mean coming up against the Jets the uh, the Cowboys are I mean a heavy favorite even though they're on the road uh, what more do you need to see from this from this offense to make you feel comfortable about about going against Philadelphia next week I mean the Eagles are on a roll they just beat the Packers who we just got we just got beat down by I mean the Eagles have a strong running game they got Carson Wentz. everybody's pretty much you know healthy but the passing game has struggled a little bit for them. But, they, I mean, they're going to lean on the running game a lot. So what do you need to see from this team in order to feel confident going to the next week? I need to see a game like how they played against Miami. I need to see a game how they played the Redskins second half,
0: how they played the Giants after that first drive. I mean, just go out there and completely dominate the teams. If you're going to lose the teams like the Packers, like New Orleans, go out there and absolutely massacre the teams that you're supposed to be. Yes, the Jets are, at the end of the day, still an NFL team. Yes, they do have some very good players with Le'Veon Bell, Sam Darnold at times, Jamal Adams. I get that. Believe me. Yes, I do. C.J. Mosley, all great players. However, this team has way, way better talent and should win by at least two touchdowns. So that's what they need to do is go out there and stomp them out. Philadelphia right now, they obviously have a very tough matchup going against the Vikings. And if they beat the Packers one week, the Vikings next week, Heading into Dallas, those guys are going to be very high. They're going to be on cloud 12. They're going to be past cloud nine. So Dallas, this this is a big game. If they come out with a loss after losing to the Packers, New Orleans, and they lose to the Jets, that'll be uh, – it's very early in the season. I 100% understand that. But that'll be a very big season killer right there because you will be literally flying on no cloud. You'll be on the ground with the rest of us while Philadelphia will be riding high if they beat the Minnesota Vikings. So you need to go out here and absolutely dominate in every phase. Passing games, ground game, on the defense side, get some turnovers. A defensive touchdown would be real nice. Special teams, do something other than just exist. Because special teams have been irrelevant for the Dallas Cowboys
1: for literally almost ever. I mean, you're completely right. And you know, on the offensive side... You know our line is going to have to stay strong. I mean, Tyron Smith is a game time decision with his ankle injury. I mean, he should play. He should be able to play. Lyle Collins expected to play as well. Has a sprained MCL, but I mean, the man is a. I mean, he's a tough son of a biscuit, and he's going to be out there. He's going to be out there. So, if the Cowboys can get up, I mean, I hope and pray that by you know by the end of the fourth, by the middle of the fourth quarter, the game is so far out of reach we can pull those guys. And hey. Give them some time time of rest because coming in Philadelphia is going to be a slugfest. And I can already tell you that right now. You're right. If the Cowboys somehow lose this game, you can almost put a nail in the coffin on the season because if the Eagles beat the Vikings... The, they will be on a roll. I think that'll put them on a three game win streak. Yeah,
0: that, that'll put them at,
1: I think overall, four and two. Yeah, four and two, four and two, because right now both teams are tied in first place at three and two. Yeah. We are both three and two. So we win, we're four and two. Obviously, they're four and two if they win as well. So we need Minnesota. Minnesota, we need you to win. We need you to beat the Mets out of Philadelphia. And please, please, please hurt their feelings.
0: Speaking of that, I mean, like you said, if they do lose this game with the nail in the coffin, this team still has to face teams like Tom Brady and the Patriots. They have to face Philadelphia twice. They have to face the Vikings another time, the Bears, the Rams. The schedule from here on out, it's extremely tough. So this game here, if it's a loss, I mean, that'll be absolutely excruciating for Dallas. This will be almost the death of them. Besides then, I mean, the only games that you can count as somewhat easy, the Detroit Lions. The same team that took it to the Kansas City Chiefs, the Buffalo Bills who held Tom Brady in that offense to nine points and the Washington Redskins at the end of the year. So if you count those first two teams as easy games, you have three for the rest of the remainder of the year. But again, don't forget, like I said, you got the Patriots, you got the Vikings. You know what? Even the Giants count as kind of, you know, it depends because Danny Dimes, we've seen good and bad from him. Nevertheless, like I said, the Patriots, the Vikings, the Bears, Eagles twice. It is going to be a rough stretch. The Rams. It's going to be an all out slugfest from here on out. This team, it, the Dallas Cowboys have to show up. But there is no ands, if, or, or buts, nothing about that. You need to go out here, show your dominance, go out there and show the world hey, you know what? Yeah, we had a couple of hiccups. We shouldn't have lost that game to New Orleans, but we did. You know what? The Packers, they got that game, got a game got out of hand very quickly. So stuff happens one game at a time, you know, one week at a time. So until then, just focus on this game. Nobody on the Dallas Cowboys team should be overlooking this team because even though the Jets are winless, that's a team that, like I said, Robbie Anderson is a very big threat down the field. Le'Veon Bell, the most patient running back in the game. C.J. Mosley will hit everybody and put them in concussion protocol. And, uh, oh, Jamison Crowder, a phenomenal player as well from the Washington Redskins. That's a great addition by those guys. He he definitely resurrected his career there. Then Jamal Adams, you know, just another guy, hard-hitting machine out there. Overall, that team just has very good players, and they could definitely make some damage happen, which, you know, it, it can be for bad stuff for Dallas, but at the end of the day, Dallas needs to come in here, assert their dominance, and show the world, hey, you know what, a couple hiccups down the road, but we're back on track, and, and start rolling because you got to prepare for that Philadelphia game, That that's going to be the, the big one right there against Philadelphia. At the end of the day, that's who's more than likely going to be competing with you for the division title and who's going to be able to get that top spot in the playoffs somewhere along the lines. Hopefully, that game turns out the way we planned. And again, we're big Vikings fans this week as well. Philadelphia, I hope you guys lose in every aspect of that game as well. Man, I,
1: <laughs> I guess there's no better way to put it. I hope they lose. Just, I hope they fly out lose because the Cowboys need all the help they can get. Now I think I know the answer to this question, but I'm gonna ask you anyway. Oh I like these okay, questions. Okay, so now if you're Jason Garrett,
0: I'm Jason, All are right, you
1: coaching on. for your job in the next two weeks? Because well,
0: the way the schedule was set out and uh you know we coach for our jobs every week. Oh, you want my answer or Jason Garrett? <laughs> you know what?
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> Never mind. I was gonna give you Jason's answer. Oh uh, if we lose to the Jets, do you think he gets fired? No, you know what? Oh, God. The, the, oh, I'll tell you what. The last time that Coach was fired midseason was Wade Phillips when the team gave up on him. Yep. And, you know, this team didn't give up last week. You know, they came back second half, scored 24 points. Yep. You know, we show some fight. Good fight. And then, you know, after Wade Phillips was fired, guess who stepped in? Jason he's Garrett. Here. And he's still here. The Bum is still here. Yep. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is, do you think he could get fired midseason? Uh, honestly, as, as much as, you know, most Dallas uh, Cowboys fans would like that to happen,
0: I don't think so only because Jerry Jones loves having his robot here. His robot, Mr. Jason Gary, obviously does. You know, he answers exactly what you would expect somebody to say. He never gives you bulletin board material. He also never throws people under the bus. He knows exactly what to say, when to say it. Handles everything completely behind screen. So I think Jerry Jones is going to let him ride the wave, sit this out, sit this season out. You know, if it is bad, I think this this is where it does go bad, though, because if this season goes bad, Think about this. Next year, the Dallas Cowboys are gonna have uh, they're gonna have to pay a lot of people. They're gonna have to make a decision on whether to tag Dak Prescott or pay him. Amari Cooper has to get paid or tagged. You can't tag everybody. Byron Jones starts to disappear. All these cats uh Lyle Collins' new contract kicks in. Obviously the linemen, all their contract kicks in. Zeke's fifth year option, which is about twelve million dollars, kicks in. So all these new contracts that are much higher are all gonna kick in next year. So slowly but surely, you'll start start seeing certain players disappear. You won't have your Robert Quinns here. You won't have your Randall Cobbs here. While not the most significant players, but they'll slowly start to disappear. So their production will just start to go away because all these cap numbers are about to hit. Then the year after that, they're going to get only worse because that's when Zeke's new contract numbers hit. If that gets re-signed, that's when his contract will be bigger. Amari Cooper's, again, if they keep Byron Jones, Jalen Smith, Demarcus Lawrence. Big guys, big names, big monies. But at the end of the day, you know, this is honestly Dallas' best shot at, at getting that championship and, and getting it nice. Because after this, next year, you're going to start seeing a lot of small role players starting to disappear and that window with it. Because yeah, I get it, man, a big payroll, you have great players, but this team has built their payroll very top-heavy to where the top 10 guys take up literally like 75% of their payroll. And that's where... If one of those guys goes down, I mean, you're losing a significant portion of that cap, and yeah, there goes your team. I mean, at the end of the day, you need 53 guys to win this game. So, but as for Jason Garrett, I don't think much will happen to him. Jerry Jones, like I said, he loves him a lot. He always gives the right answers, knows what to do. And at the end of the day, you know what? I'm not convinced that Jerry Jones is—he's uh, okay. You know, he's not angry. He's not too angry. Yeah, I get it. You're mad that you lost a few games, but he's not mad enough to fire uh, Jason Garrett at the end of the day. So. I see JGZ finishing out the year.
1: I mean, man, I had to get that point across because a lot of Cowboy fans want to say, hey, if we lose the next two games, he needs to be out of here. He needs to be out of here. Jason, I mean, if we fire Jason Garrett, who else are we going to hire as a head coach? That's what everybody
0: brings up. Chris
1: Richard. Right? Chris Richard. But you just got to be talking about how yeah. this defense has not gotten better under Chris Richard. Statistically, and, lit- I mean, physically, I mean, literally, this team is worse in run defense so far this year than they were last year. I mean, they really are. Christian Short is a great rah-rah coach, yes, but he is not a good X's, a great X's and O's coach. He may be able to develop a, a player, you know, to where he's a starting caliber player. Look at Anthony Brown. He loves Anthony Brown. Look at Cheeto. He's done well with Cheeto. But, I mean, same thing with Byron Jones. But other than that, what has he done? Other than that, what has he done? He's shown you fire. And com- I mean, passion completely opposite of what Jason Garrett has done the thing about Jason Garrett that I do give him credit for is able to keep his team under control yes you have your stragglers you have Randy Gregory's out there you have your um David Irving's out there but you know what the rest of the team I mean you have Jalen Smith Lane Vander Sean Lee those are the three of the leaders on this team talking about Demarcus Lawrence I mean I mean Demarcus Lawrence hasn't been in trouble since his rookie year. I mean, seriously, everybody will not say, oh, he was suspended. Yeah, but how many years ago? You know since then? He's had two double-digit sack seasons and has not been in trouble out off the field. He brought this team together on defense. Same thing with offense. You have Travis Fred. You have the entire offensive line. I mean, all pro bowlers. You have Dak. You have Amari Cooper now. These guys are leaders, and they're not in trouble. That's one thing about Jason Garrett is that he knows the right kind of guys, the RKGs that people will call them. But the fact of the matter is, he's a good He's a good manager. He's—I think he's more of a better GM than he is a coach. Don't put him in the scouting department, though. Please don't put him in scouting department, though. No, but I mean he's a good—he's a good walk-around coach, a clapper. He's a—he's a a—he's kind of a people person, you know. He's a people pleaser, and he's a yes man to Jerry Jones. He has kept his locker room under control for the most part. No, nobody goes out there and says anything rational or stupid that'll put him in the headlines. You know that'll put him in a bad situation, so that's one thing about Jason Garrett. But other than that, he sucks at everything else, yeah. yeah. Sucks at yeah. Game, game management. I remember that challenge flag, Jason. That challenge flag that everybody knows that you should not have thrown on the pass interference because the second time that Michael Gallup would speed up at the line of scrimmage, beat up 10 yards down the field, you couldn't throw a challenge because, well, you lost the first challenge and you didn't have another one to throw. That's true. I mean, since they implemented that uh,
0: rule about challenging pass interference. Most referees go with whatever they call. Watch every single challenge play that has happened whenever they do that. 95% of the time, they go with what they've called. If they call pass interference and they challenge it, literally the next the next time you see the refs, they're saying uh, play stands, pass interference. If there's no pass interference, they challenge, there it goes again. No uh, challenge, but no pass interference. The referees go by what they say for the most part. It's very hard to overturn that. And that's where I think Jason Garrett wasted it. Some people may say, but it wasn't. Even Trey said it was barely a flag. But at the end of the day, this is the NFL. One, you're supposed to turn around. This is not college football where you're okay to do that. And two, you're not able to make any contact with the receiver past five yards before the ball is in there. Uh, it touches him. One thing that uh, exactly happened was our corner hit their receiver before touching the ball. So, yes, in fact, it was pass interference. As little as it was, it ends up being pass interference. It, it, it just says what it is. But nevertheless, this team again back to getting to the Jets. They have to go in there and completely dominate this game. Hopefully they make some things happen. And the Dallas Cowboys come out with a win to go up four and two. Eagles lose. I mean that'd be three and three. Cowboys, you know, sole possess the NFC East the, the division title.
1: That'll be a good thing for them. Hopefully that does come to fruition because we need every every little bit of help we can. But until then, the Jets are going down. What do you what do you think the score is going to be? I'm going to predict the Dallas Cowboys to win
0: 31-217. Cowboys win by two touchdowns. And we'll say it's the last touchdown
1: being scored by the Jets just in a garbage time touchdown. I completely agree with you, except I think the score is going to be 28 to 10. Okay. Uh, I think the defense will show up. I mean, I think we'll cover I mean, we're going to it's going to be more than a two touchdown game, I think. Even though the game's in New York, I think the Jets will start out fast, get the first points on the board against the Cowboys' defense. It'll be 3-0. I think it'll be 3-0 to start the game. Cowboys will jump on them and won't look back. 28-10 final score. But guess what? Since we're back with the new Dallas Power Hour, we got something special. It's It's a throwback, flashback, blast from the past. We have the fantasy nuggets of the show. This is where we give you all the fantasy sports fantasy nuggets for the dallas power hour promise to you you're welcome if you win if you lose it's on you (laughs) okay so the way this works we got three we got three sleeper slash must start players and then we have two buzz i mean sit players you know simple i mean keep it simple we got three good players two bad players for the week so RDA, I'll let you start this one off. All right,
0: I'm going to kick things off with a guy that used to be in the NFC East. He goes by the name Captain Kirk. Many people have been completely destroying this man, but I'm going to go with Kirk Cousins playing against the Philadelphia Eagles. As much as I hate those guys and I want them to lose over there in Philadelphia, that's not the reason I'm picking them. I'm picking them because, one, their secondary is not that very good. And they're going up against Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, whereas Kirk Cousins has been getting bashed left and right the past two weeks you know what? He actually threw a couple touchdowns against the Giants, and he's still getting trashed about it. Zach Brown has been talking smack, who plays for the Eagles, about how Kirk Cousins was the link, uh, weakest link when he was with the Redskins. And now, you know what, Kirk Cousins? I guarantee you was getting to him. He's come out and publicly apologized to Thielen and the Diggs for being such a bad player. Came out last week, threw two touchdowns. This week, I see him doing the exact same thing, but this time putting up three touchdowns, having 350 yards, no interceptions. If you have Kirk Cousins, start this, man, because this guy right now, he's on a mission to prove everyone wrong.
1: Man, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of agree with that, and you know what? I'm going to tell you to start Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen is the number one receiver on this team. Kirk Cousins pissed off at Stephon Diggs. Yeah, he apologizes, but you know what? Stephon Diggs also was amidst, you know, all the trade rumors last week. You know, he didn't show up till almost Friday or Saturday, you know, but Thielen had a great game, another 100-yard game, and a touchdown. Really went out there and showed out, you know. All right, so who else you got besides Thielen? Thielen, you know what? Actually, I have Calvin Ridley against the Arizona Cardinals, number two receiver. I mean, yeah, everybody, the whole story is Julio Jones, Austin Hooper. Austin Hooper is actually the number one tight end at fantasy football right now. But Calvin Ridley number two. I think Patrick Peters is going to be following around, you know, Julio Jones most of the game. So it's going to open up more opportunities for Calvin Ridley across the field. So, if you have Calvin Ridley, you're not sure whether to start him. I'm telling you right now, Calvin Ridley, time to show up. All right, that's a very nice one. I like the receivers that you've gone with so far. I'm
0: gonna have to take my talents a little bit more out west, the NFC or AFC West to be exact. I'm gonna throw out a tight end, Noah Fan, the rookie. This guy right here. Now, while Joe Flacco has been playing very nicely these past couple weeks, obviously, Sun has gotten more looks, and Emmanuel Sanders has been a very great spark for them. So now that everybody has all eyes on them. Be very weary of those guys because now Noah Fan is about to be freed up. This is where this guy was known for doing it at Iowa. He's a receiving um, tight end. This guy was known for catching touchdowns. And that's exactly what I see him doing in this game. Two touchdowns, Noah Fan. Again, you're welcome.
1: Yo, I like it, Noah Fan. I mean, not a big name, but you know what? He's been he picked up a lot on the waiver wire this week. So my final third is, I mean, my final player to start. Knock Brown for the. L.A. Rams. Todd Gurley is doubtful. Keep an eye on Todd Gurley's status. If Todd Gurley is out, put in Malcolm Brown. No hesitation because Malcolm Brown, I guarantee you, will have at least fifteen fantasy points this week, and I mean, really, be a really good sleeper for anybody who has him on their team. Cough, cough. R.D.A. I mean, R.D. I mean, R.D.A.'s opponent has Todd Gurley, one of our good buddies. Less, but guess who has his backup. And That's I, right, your boy, RDA, son. has Malcolm Brown on the bench, and he really shouldn't bench him. But, I mean, his team is somewhat decent, so I'll let him destroy his own team.
0: Somewhat decent, you mean number two in the league right now.
1: Yeah, if, right. You, if you ain't first or last, talk to Richie Bobby. Yeah,
0: all right, that makes sense. I like that plan. So far, I mean, that makes sense. But at the end of the day, my third seed and this one's going to be a bit of a another doozy. Again, quarterbacks already gave you Kirk Cousins. And I gave you a tight end with no fan, But I'm going to give you one more quarterback. And this is somebody that I just saw that for some reason J.C. has on his team, even though I hate his guts. He (laughs) is the most interesting quarterback in the world. That's right. Minshew. Man, I love this guy. God, this guy's mustache has been phenomenal. And everything that he's been doing over there in Jacksonville has just been great. But the fact that he's gotten going with uh, LSU's very own DJ Chark, D.D. Westbrook has been doing some things. And guess what? Leonard Fournette has woken up. So watch this, dude. Minshew has been on a roll. He's about to start rocking and rolling. Thus far, he has nine touchdowns and only one interception. This kid right here is on fire. Yes, he's playing the New Orleans Saints, who have been on a rock and roll. But everybody has a hiccup. And this is where, so far, things have been going smoothly for New Orleans. But I think this is the hiccup. And it's going to happen against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Gary Minshew, the second. Four touchdowns this game.
1: Calling it right now.
0: Big monster day
1: from this man. Whoa, that is insane. And I don't know if RDA smoke or something, but if he is, please share, good sir. <laughs> so, I guess my... Oh, uh, did you yeah, say one one? No, I think that's it. So, let, hey, those are our three starters slash sleepers. So, I guess let's roll on to our bust of the week. That's right. The people that you think are going to do no good. Are going to do poop. And you know what? Let's start with poop. And, I mean, guess what color poop is. Brown. Brown. And guess who plays for the Browns? Nobody. Where I mean, well, Odell Beckham Jr. Odell Beckham Jr. has not been his normal self lately. He's really struggling to get open and create a uh, a create a rapport with Bacon Mayfield. Obviously, that entire that entire team is not living up to expectations. Jarvis Landry is actually leading that team in receiving yards with 403. I mean, Odell Beckham 335 in six games. That's about 50 yards a game, 67 to be precise. Actually, looking it up right now. But 23 catches on 43 targets, that's almost 50%. That's almost right at 50%. So Odell Beckham against the Seattle defense is really not looking too hot. So if you have Odell, hopefully you have another option. But if you have no other option, good luck because you're going to need it. All right, that's a very
0: nice one. Myself, I'm going to go with Juju smith schuster of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Those guys have obviously hit a very bad curve this year, losing Ben Roethlisberger. Mason Rudolph has been ruled out. And Juju Smith-Schuster has shown that, you know what, contrary to what he said, he does need Antonio Brown on this team. He needs someone opposite of him to take off that pressure on him. So, Juju, I'm sorry, man, even though you're playing the Chargers, who haven't been that great, and yes, have given up quite a few points. Juju Smith-Schuster, you're doing nothing. You are not doing nothing. Sorry, Juju, not today. Not today. And
1: you know what? Hey, you know, it's like you're looking at my cheat sheet because on that same team, the running back James Conner, he was, I mean, amazing top five running back last year. You know, stepped in for Le'Veon, really killed my team when Le'Veon sat down the whole year, really hurt my feelings. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, remember that, that year. was the You ultimate, traded for him. That's the I actually traded David Johnson for him. I kind of regretted it, you know. But James Conner, I almost traded for him this year. But you know what? James Conner in six games. Has not had he has not reached 200 yards rushing yet. He has 194 yards rushing and one wait, two rushing touchdowns. And I think he has a receiving touchdown as well. Nope. Oh, yes, he does. See, one rushing, one receiving touchdown in six games so far this season. James Connor averaging under four yards of carry against the Chargers. They're gonna be playing from behind. And I mean, we're gonna see a lot of Jalen Samuels. So there you go. There's a couple of nuggets in between there. So James Connor. You better, I mean, sit down somewhere. Jalen Samuels, it might be your time to shine, catch some balls. I like the way you're thinking. I mean, so far that that, that's a very it adds up. You know what? But my uh,
0: sit of the week, you know, this was gonna be a tough one for most people, especially because the tight end situation is so tricky. And that I'm I hate these positions. But Garrett Everett is coming off two sick weeks where he's put up ridiculous numbers. Everybody in their family is thinking to themselves, "Dang, I really should have picked this dude up." This exactly where I would have needed him. He could have helped me win my fantasy teams. Blah, 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 blah. Believe me, that's me too. I know the exact feeling. But this week he's facing the San Francisco 49ers. And as much as you would expect this man to continue that streak, I think this is exactly where it's about to go down. They're ranked second against the pass. And that team also has to worry about Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. And once they get in the passing game, obviously they're going to have to think about Malcolm Brown as well. And if they're bringing their rookie Henderson. But this is where Garrett Everett, Everett is not going to go anywhere. I get it. He got seven of those 11 targets for 136 yards this past game. And he said 10 days of rest, but it's about to go down. This is where you might see a four catch game, maybe for about 45, 50 yards, a nine point game, which is not bad. But don't be expecting those same numbers that you got this past week. I see him getting under 10 points no matter what this week. And
1: there you have it, folks. This is it. We're wrapping it up. And that, those are your fantasy nuggets from you truly J.C. and R.D.A. of the Dallas Power Hour.
0: Yeah, that's right. To finish off here, we're going to go with our quick em pick-ems. Make sure that you can pick against us because one thing that I know that I'm better at you than, well, at least J.C., is I can pick them better. <laughs> so, we're going to go through and pick every game of the week. We're going to make sure to give you the starting lineup so you can bet your friends, but I would go with me, don't trust J.C. Hey, you're just going to win. Oh, oh, that's a good one. It's like if you were in the future and knew that somehow. But uh, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to start things off with the London game, all right? The Carolina Panthers and the Buccaneers both travel all the way to London to go play this game. Who you got? The Buccaneers have been sneaky good, so I'm going to go with the Buccaneers I'm going to win. I'm going to pick against them. I'm going to go against uh, the guy that leads all fantasy football players of all time in the history of fantasy football, Christian McCaffrey. That's right. The man, the myth, the legend will carry that team onward to victory one more time. Next game, the Eagles and Vikings. The Vikings will win. Think, you know what? I got to change it. Eagles are going to beat the Vikings. Oh, God. They're going to beat them to a loss maybe because the Vikings are going to take the win that day, baby. Let's go, Vikings. Eagles are going to win, but I hope the Vikings win. I oh, love oh, you're too late. You chose the Eagles. You're losing down so far. Redskins and Dolphins, a.k.a. the Tank
1: Bowl. I think it's a tie. That's a, whoa. All right. I man. think it's a tie. I think it's a tie like 17-17. Like Nobody's going to try to win that game. Okay, all right. Well, I'm going to give it to the Washington Redskins.
0: I think somewhere <laughs> in here they'll be – itching to throw in Dwayne Haskins, the rookie. I like Terry McLaurin better than I like anybody on the defensive side for the Miami Dolphins. And the Dolphins overall, well, I mean, they're they're not hiding it from anyone. They're trying to get that number one pick. (laughs) They're
1: driving (laughs) to work every day.
0: Those guys are pretty bad at that. All right, so Saints visiting the Jaguars. Who you got? I have the Saints beating the Jaguars right Uh, now. You know what? I'm going to go against you again. Give me the Jaguars. One more time. Very, very
1: nice. I like the pick. All right. Seahawks and Brownies, what you got here? Uh, Seahawks going over the Browns. Even though the Browns are at home, the Seahawks have been very, very good lately. And the MVP of the league so far has been Russell Wilson. Yeah, he's been MVP while mostly at home because on the way, he plays good but
0: not great. So you know what? Give me the Brownies to get the upset here. No one expects it, especially after that bad loss they just took on Monday night. Brownies homestand. Welcome to the dog pound. Bengals visiting the Ravens. Who you got on that AFC North matchup. I think the Bengals are really trying to lose too, so I'm gonna go with the Ravens. Yep. You know what? Yeah, on that one we'll agree, the Ravens because the Bengals will.
1: I think we could round up a neighborhood team to beat these guys. I'm telling you, I think we could. 49ers visiting the Rams. Oh, that's gonna be a good one. The Ra- the the 49ers defense is very underrated. They're really good though. They, I mean, they have Nick Bosa, DeForest Buckner, and um uh, that linebacker. I can't think. You know, of Oh, a uh, linebacker. Um, oh man, Fred Warner. Fred Warner. One. Fred Warner. Very good linebacker. So, you, But you know what? Oh, man. No Todd Gurley, the Rams. You know what? I think that's going to actually boost the Rams. I think they won't have to focus on Gurley as much. So I think the Rams will win against yep. the 49ers. I also have the Rams taking that
0: one on a big surprising W. Sorry, Jimmy G, your streak ends that day. Go streaking with a poor start. That's right, man. I mean, he can do it, too. Yeah, I mean, he done can, he's done it before. Yep. So Falcons take
1: on the Cardinals. I mean, really? I think that shows the Cardinals in this game. They're at home, and then... Kyler Murray has been somewhat good. I mean, he he did just get his first deep. win, so I can see it. Okay. I can see too. I can see too. All right, but I'm going to take the Falcons. You know what? At the end of the day,
0: Julio Jones is a beast. Calvin Ridley is in for a big day. Austin Hooper, like you said, number one tight end in fantasy football. So I think that offense is going to be a little bit too unstoppable for Kyler Murray's defense. Sorry, not today. Cowboys and Jets, we both agreed on the Cowboys. Titans visiting the
1: Broncos. What you got there? The Titans visiting the Broncos. He the Broncos just got their first win, but... I mean, they're really good against a run, and the run game is really what drove the Broncos to that last win. The Titans will win that game. Yeah, I also have uh, Marcus Mariota. As much as I dislike him,
0: I think he also come out with the W there. The Steelers on Sunday Night Football go visit the Los
1: Angeles Chargers. Well, they're going to the Chargers, and Mason Rudolph has been ruled out for this game. So, if you have the Chargers' defense, start them. And oh wait, you know what? I got the Chargers' defense. Uh-huh. I'm definitely starting them. You got you. You told Juju sit down. I told James Conner to sit down, and then now we're telling you, hey, start the Chargers defense. Chargers going to win that game handily. Yeah, yeah, I think the Chargers win by at least two, three touchdowns. That's going to be a terrible Sunday night game.
0: Yeah, this is where I wish the NFL could flex games because I would much rather, I'm not being biased, the 49ers and Rams, that would be a great game to throw on there. The Browns, Seahawks, Saints, Jaguars, I mean, there's other games. The Eagles and Vikings is a much more worthy game. But the Steelers with a third-string quarterback facing a bad Chargers team it's not very fun to watch on Sunday night. So whenever that song comes on, I will not be waiting all day for Sunday night. (laughs) (laughs) Not not me. Not today. Well, not that day. All right. So I'm also going to go Chargers win that one. The Lions visiting on the Packers on Monday night football to end the series. Um, I'm going to take the Packers. I'm going to take the Packers at home on Monday night. Yeah. You know what? The Packers just dominated Dallas. So I think they're on a roll. And this is where things are starting to pop out for them. Packers get the W. In big fashion. I think they get out there and I mean two touchdown win. Aaron Rodgers proves everybody why he's the best of the best. Even though he's not really anymore. But he can still do it. Packers win that one. But for our show, I mean, that's everything. Again, you know, we love talking to us. Cowboys, if you guys ever have any questions, more than I can hit us up. We always got our Facebook, at Dallas Power Hour, or hit us up on Twitter, at Dallas Power Hour. But we're always presented by Dallas Sports Nation. I'm RDA alongside my boy, JC, and we are
1: out. America's team to you. Say, say, get get